Have you tried Keto Fuel? Go to shopketoshake.com to learn more about Keto Fuel. It's one of the most exciting products to come out in the ketogenic world in a long time. It is a truly low carb, high fat shake that does not overload your body with excessive protein that would kick you out of nutritional ketosis. And the taste is outstanding. Reminds me somewhat of a sweetened almond milk. I've mixed it with water with ice cubes in the shaker, but also blended with heavy cream for a luscious milkshake that tastes like a milkshake, but it's healthy. I'm so glad Keto Fuel was created and I think you're going to love it too. Once again, visit shopketoshake.com to get more information and to place your order for the Keto Fuel. Shopketoshake.com. Have you been interested in trying the new cutting edge technology of exogenous ketones, but didn't know where to get started? Let me introduce you to Perfect Keto. Visit perfectketo.com slash Jimmy and use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto was created by a functional medicine clinician who developed this unique formula for maximum efficacy. It's great tasting and the most affordable exogenous ketone supplement you can find that raises blood ketone levels up to 1.5 millimolar to help increase mental focus, boost your energy, and commence fat burning. It does not contain any soy, dairy, gluten, artificial sweeteners, binding agents, or anything that doesn't directly improve your health. The synergistic power of a low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat ketogenic diet with perfect keto exogenous ketones will have your body running optimally. Perfect Keto is available in delicious chocolate sea salt and peaches and cream flavors. Each serving comes with 11.38 grams of high-quality beta-hydroxybutyrate for maximum ketone boosting while adding in magnesium, potassium, cocoa, stevia, and vitamin C for extra micronutrition. Again, try Perfect Keto for yourself at perfectketo.com jimmy and be sure to use the coupon code LLV at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto. The information and opinions provided here are for educational purposes only and are not intended to provide individual medical advice. Material conversations and statements found herein are not intended as and does not substitute for a personalized doctor-patient relationship. You are listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Featuring veteran health podcaster Jimmy Moore and Surprise Arizona family physician Dr. Adam Nally. They are here answering the most pressing questions about a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet. Visit our website, ketotalk.com. And now, it's time for Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Here's Jimmy and Adam. Hey, hey, guys, we're back here on episode 65 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Visit our website. It's ketotalk.com. We also have a brand new Facebook page, ketotalkfb.com. Go check it out if you want to connect with your fellow Ketonians who listen and love this show. And they love it because mostly because of the gentleman who's here with me today. He's my good buddy, my pal. He is Dr. Adam Nally. What's up, Adam? Well, hello, Jimmy, and hello, all you Ketonians out there. It's always a pleasure to be chatting with all of you and hearing your questions and being able to chew the fat with you. 
And the Ketonians are growing in numbers on that Facebook page. I know we keep talking about it, but we just started this thing just a few weeks back. And do you know, as of the recording of this on Monday before this airs, we're already over 4,100 members. Wow. Unbelievable. That, that's a, that's unbelievable. Of course, that's... it doesn't hurt. I've been giving away prizes a lot to try to boost that. But <laughs> well, prizes seem to bring people. Yes, prizes I, works. I, I, and it's good stuff too, man. I saw that Ketonian shirt. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because somebody was asking, the dog has this shirt called Ketonian King. Are there any Ketonian kind of shirts? And I'm like, yeah. And so I talked to the lady that uh, came up with that ketogifts.com website and and so she's like, oh, well, yeah, I'll donate some. So then we put that on there. And then the, the Peely Nuts people came. And then the, the Drop an F-Bomb people came. So we're constantly getting prizes, guys. It's not every single day. It was last week, but not, not every single day. But we will, if you hop on over to KetoTalkFB.com, have prizes here and there. So uh, you just never know what you're going to get. It's kind of like uh, uh, Forrest Gump. Life is a box of chocolates, except we don't eat chocolates. <laughs> Not the sugary no. kind anyway. Not the sugary kind. No, nope, no, nope, not at all. <laughs> so I wanted to say up front here, you guys, we are going to be gone. I know. Wah. People say, don't leave. Well, we have to leave uh, because I have a crazy travel schedule like the next month. I know the doc, he usually squeezes this in and he has all kind of travel stuff and he never complains. But Jimmy Moore is complaining. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Because we have the low carb cruise also coming up, which both the doc and I will be on. And so we need to take a few weeks off here kind of in this transition and we'll be back with fresh new episodes in June. But what are we going to do while we're gone, doc? We have uh, some select audio that we decided to air, and I thought for the the first one next Thursday, we're going to air in episode 66, the very first time you and I ever spoke on an audio podcast. Now, I knew you for years at that point. You'd already been on the Low Carb Cruise at that point, but you'd you and I had never done a podcast together, so that should be kind of fun to air in episode 66 next week. Oh, that'll be lots of fun. And then the week after that, you have a lecture because by popular demand on the Facebook page, they said, we want to hear a lecture from Dr. Nally. So we have one on inflammation and ketogenic diets that will air in episode 67. And then the last week of May, we will have uh, a portion of Keto Clarity audiobook for episode 68. I was thinking I was probably going to air the chapter on the common myths about ketogenic diets and how we can overcome those and why they're quite frankly wrong. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so hopefully guys that will appease your keto talk fix each and every Thursday. And it definitely gives us a chance to, uh, to take a bit of a break because we've gone nonstop pretty much since we started this podcast. And so, uh, this will help us out a whole lot. And then on the low carb cruise, you and I, Adam will be doing a live keto talk just like we did last year so that will air uh in episode 69 on june the 1st so busy 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 time you guys but uh we're so thankful that you're here at keto talk oh yes we are that'll be fun so let's get into some headlines uh about ketosis and and ketogenic diets and health that's been out there and this first one i had to bring to everybody's attention because this is this is big 
uh, CNBC story, Silicon Valley's elite are flocking to an extreme high fat diet in hopes of living longer. Now, you got to realize, guys, this is a mainstream article, so they're going to call a ketogenic diet extreme, but stick with us here. Uh, Silicon Valley's investors are trying out ketogenic diets, which involves extreme carb restriction. Some are reporting rapid weight loss and better energy. Side effects also include crankiness and bad breath. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. A venture-backed company is hoping to reverse type 2 diabetes with nutritional ketosis. So this is actually a story all about the investors who are helping out Steve Finney and Dr. Sarah Hallberg and their group. Um, what's it called? Virta, V-I-R-T-A. And they're trying to do more studies and to help people who are basically suffering from the mainstream advice that we've had forever and ever. And what I love about it is here are these billionaires that are basically putting their money where their mouth is, Adam, and saying, hey, look, this is something that we see value in and we're going to invest in it. You know, it's really cool when you see venture capitalists start to move in a direction because they're they're usually the ones that are watching the up and coming changes that are occurring. And and I I know just from from what I do on a daily basis that healthcare is the ne- next big investment for venture capital. Yes, and uh, that, that we're starting to see that. Uh, and this is one of those areas where where those those folks that have have those funds to invest and are looking for viable good options to try to to put money into that they can generate. Um, health and success and, and also a profit in, in regards to um, are, are there. And so hats off to them and also to, to Sarah and uh, Hallberg and Steve Finney for their uh, success in, in seeing this move forward. It's exciting to see CSC and, or CNBC is picking this up and, and starting to comment about these these high fat diets. <laughs> the extreme high fat diets. Oh, extreme high fat diets. I noticed they put the extreme on high fat and the extreme on very low carbs. <laughs> yes, it was the two extremes. So yes. what are we going to do? Just eat all protein that's all we're going to have 90 percent protein in our day <laughs> that doesn't sound very appetizing actually a bunch of chicken breasts <laughs> oh yeah totally well the exciting point is they they, they commented a couple spots that it was actually a powerful tool and that they're seeing they're yes. seeing it as a tool and it's moving forward so it's really really exciting to see this and dr peter atia is also a part of this formerly of NUSI. so uh yeah it's exciting to see this happening and it's yet another notch in the belt of keto becoming more and more mainstream guys because people don't just put their money in things that they don't think think is going to you know be profitable and you know this is the other end of things people are going to say well they're only in it for the profit well who cares if they make a profit off of it that just means they can continue to get the message out there even more so i see it as nothing but a good thing I, I remember something like an iPhone. You know, they were just in that for profit too, but uh, it's kind of <laughs> changed the face of the world. Well, <laughs> so. and yeah, I, I think sometimes we forget about this low carb, high fat, ketogenic message. It's free, guys. We, we, you know what it's about. You know what it is. But sometimes people need help and they need handholding. That's why the doc stays extraordinarily busy with all of his patients. It's why people buy my books and why they've been so successful. People are looking for answers that will be clear to them and help them do this. You know, some people are go-getters, Adam, and they can go and do this on their own. And it's very easy for them. Other people don't have that maybe mentality or personality type that lets them just grab the bull by the horns and run with it oh totally and and you know it's exciting to see that there are more and more tools each year to use with the with this dietary approach um 
And, and that's what people come in. I mean, in fact, I had three, three this morning that came in saying, well, doc, I have a problem here. I, I can't do this or I'm, my schedule doesn't allow for, for you know, this. And so we were able to add tools that used to not be available three or four years ago that allow a person to, you know, to, to have a busy schedule or, or someone that can't cook as, 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 as often, except for early morning and late evening. You know, there, there are a number of tools that we now have at our disposal uh, that, that we can give advice and direction with uh, that help these move forward. And so it's exciting to see uh, that this is starting to be invested in. I love that one of the investors was one of the guys who helped Dave Asprey with his uh, bulletproof coffee concept as one of the venture capitalists with that. And so he he's experienced ketosis many uh, years ago now because Dave uh, invented that several years ago. And so he's now seeing it as uh, kind of the wave of the future. So it's it's truly exciting, you guys. Anytime you feel down that, oh my gosh, who isn't, you know, nobody's really understanding ketosis. Yes, they are. The people that matter do. And then it's going to influence all of those patients who then will go to their doctor and say, you know, I'm loving this ketogenic diet thing. Uh, can you tell me more? And so it's going to make doctors learn about the K word. It will. In a good way. Oh, Yeah. Well, another headline that caught my attention was out of New Zealand. In New Zealand, they have this thing called a health star rating. And so this headline says health star rating may mislead shoppers. It's kind of like the American Heart Association. Uh, They have their little heart health symbol on various foods here in America. Well, in New Zealand, um, they're having trouble with this star rating because people aren't buying into it. Um, and so uh, New Zealand shoppers would be able to put more faith in health star ratings if they did not allow manufacturers t- to compensate for having bad ingredients by adding more good ingredients. According to commentators, the rating system launched in 2014 now appears on 1500 packaged foods throughout New Zealand. It's designed to make it easier for shoppers to choose the so-called healthy good options. The star is determined based on the fiber, protein, fruit, vegetable, nut, and legume content compared to the amount of saturated fat, energy, total sugar, and sodium, as if all four of those things have anything to do with each other. Uh, But there's been controversy. Nestle came under fire for achieving a 4.5 star rating for their product called Milo on the basis that it was prepared with low-fat milk. Nutrigrain, which is 27% sugar, also got four stars because it had high levels of fiber and protein. See, this is where they get into trouble, Adam. They they pretend like, ignore the culprit stuff that's in there that could truly do damage to your health because, oh yeah, by the way, we included some good stuff in it too. I know it's it's like let's sprinkle fiber in it and then we can give it a rating and sell more product. It's been 27% sugar. That's crazy. You might as well just take a tablespoon out of the bowl and eat it that way. It's yeah. Yeah. And then, and then eat and then chase it with an apple. That's essentially what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the problem is people buy those, uh, those labels. They, they buy into them hook, line and sinker, the unsuspecting public. Although I do sense that people are becoming more savvy, which is why this headline was so great because they're, they're basically exposing, Hey, this is misleading you. And of course I've been talking about the American heart association, heart health symbol here in America. America forever that that tells me what products not to buy <laughs> oh yeah well and this is the challenge when we start allowing our government to try to feed us and and that's yes. this is one of those things that happens when we let politicians become our our nutritional advisors and uh, you start to see these kind of things happen well and big food kind of leading the charge and funding those efforts as well uh, oh, absolutely. Too, too many hands in the pot oh yeah yeah 
Well, this last uh, headline is a sad one. Uh, do you know David Mendoza? Have you heard of his work before? Just just vaguely. I think I've seen his website or his blog a couple of times. Um, but yeah, it, it is. I, I saw this headline. and went, Oh, yeah. So he's yeah. been out there for a very long time. David Mendoza, type one diabetic. If you've uh, had diabetes uh, at all and you don't know Mendoza dot com, M-E-N-D-O-S-A dot com, you're missing out because he's got a lot of really great information out there. But sadly, he's been diagnosed with an incurable cancer, and so he wrote his very last blog post ever and uh, actually had his phone disconnected. I was trying to get a hold of him to to offer up uh, support and, and prayers and just to let him know that we're thinking about him. So uh, just want you guys to know about that. He he definitely has inspired so many people to go the low-carb route. He was on Living La Vida Low-Carb many moons ago now um, talking about uh, all the various things that he's done to help control his diabetes and his obesity and and a, a true champion for diabetes and, and the low-carb way. So if you're the praying type, definitely give him your prayers. David Mendoza, uh, we wish you well, buddy. Yes, we do. Well, let's shift to a little bit happier topic because I didn't want to end on uh, all the headlines on that. There was a testimonial that came in from Jolene. She uh, formerly wrote to us. She said, hey, Jimmy and the doc, I want to thank you for all you do. I listen to your podcast all the time. Wanted to give you an update on my 76-year-old mom who I recently put on keto. I fought all the naysayer doctors and others all along the way to tell them that she didn't need so much medication for her diabetes, cholesterol, and blood pressure if I could change her diet to low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic. She was taking 500 milligrams of metformin twice daily, but since going keto, she's been able to stop taking the metformin. I cannot tell you how, how happy I am and how thankful that I found this podcast between Keto Talk and the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. I've been able to educate myself on not only my own health, but also the health of my mother. Thank you again for all you do. Jolene. Jolene, thank you so much for sharing that. That is truly awesome. That's exciting. You know, when you get to reverse uh, medication need for diabetes, that's that you, you know, that, that that like makes my day. That's awesome. Is 500 milligrams of metformin, is that a high dose? Um, twice a day is, uh, is about a moderate dose. You know, one, one, 500 milligrams once a day is, is a pretty common dose for starting. Yeah. Um, but when you get to twice a day or, or you know, three times a day you're or even bad, uh, you're, you're, you're pro- progressing down that road. And the fact that she was able to decrease that, uh, it's, it look, sounds like that to, to not having a need for any medication means that she's allowed her, her pancreas to really begin the healing process. And that insulin resistance is beginning to reverse, which is really cool. And we know that a ketogenic diet can help improve the relevant cholesterol numbers in your triglycerides and your HDL. So that should get better so that maybe she could get off the, I'm assuming, Lipitor or Crestor that she's on. And then the blood pressure medication uh, probably will become irrelevant as she continues in ketosis. So all of those things should get better, Jolene. And definitely thank you for the update. And uh, let your 76-year-old ketonian mom know that we're very proud of her. Well, let's get to the first question from our listeners. This one's from Beth. Hi, Jimmy and Doc Muscles. I've listened to your podcast for years. Jimmy, I recently finished the Keto Clarity audiobook. I'm sold on keto. I've been eating this way for a little less than a week. My usual sugar cravings are completely gone and I feel great. But I'm doing this all with my husband in mind as well. He has horrible neuropathy in his feet, probably because of prediabetes. 
He's always been a guy who was thin and never gained weight despite having a horrible diet. Here's the deal. I think he's probably going to be very resistant to making any changes in his diet and lifestyle. But the hardest part for sure is that he self-medicates with wine at the end of the day. His feet hurt, he's tired, and he uses the wine as pain management. He's got a bona fide addiction to it, and I'm wondering how the ketogenic diet and alcohol withdrawal symptoms play together, if at all. Any tips on how to ease this transition? And finally, would eating keto actually help with the symptoms, or does he need to be alcohol-free before beginning on nutritional ketosis? Thank you for your help with this, Beth. Beth has a really hard situation here, Adam, but I'm sure you've dealt with it before. The question is this, does the ketogenic diet help smooth the withdrawals associated with transitioning away from alcohol? And can starting keto work if you're still drinking alcohol? It's a great question. And it's one that I actually deal with almost weekly. Um, I, you know, bunch I, of boozers I, in your patient population. Well, <laughs> you know, not, not, not so much that, that, um, out where I'm at and you know, we're about 60% of my practice is over 55, 60 years old. Um, there many of, most of them are retired. Uh, and so socialization with this group is very common. So they'll, yeah. they'll golf you know, 18 rounds of golf and then they'll go have a, have a beer or have a wine, you know, alcohol at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that usually a glass or two, or in some cases three or four, are very very common with the age group that I deal with uh, because of you know where they're at in life and the status and the social climate that they're in. Sure. And so it's not uncommon to see that. Um, number, the, for, to to best first question. I I was shocked that being in ketosis actually does damper down the um, the addictive type components that we see with a various number of addictions, including alcohol. Now it's not going to stop it, but it does damper the craving to some degree. And when we're well, there's actually some research study right now looking at what that does. Um, the Is second it the same pathway that does uh, dampers down sugar when you start eating keto. It actually is. Yeah, it actually is. The, the, the cool thing is that, you know, fructose, which is one half of a sugar molecule and alcohol are processed the same way. And when you remove the sugar, you're actually taking the load off the liver to some degree. Now, the alcohol will still has to be detoxified and it and you'll see an insulin spike at three to five hours after drinking the wine or the alcohol, whatever it is. Um, and that varies again genetically. We see some stronger uh, insulin response than others, but it, it will help. So I, I don't see any reason why, you know, being beginning the ketogenic diet, uh, it, it won't be, won't be a good thing in that regard. In fact, clinically what I see is that people do very well and they come into me saying, well, you know, doc, I just, I used to drink four glasses and I'm down to one or two at night and, and that's okay. And I feel pretty good. Uh, the other component that's concerning is that if there's neuropathy, there's, you know, the, the, the sugar itself is part of the culprit with the amplification of the neuropathy. And so that's, that's piece number one. Uh, piece number two is about um, 60% of people I see with uh, that neuropathy uh, have a uh, an MTHFR deficiency. And we've talked about this before in previous yep. podcasts. And that's the whole reason we d- we developed or I developed the uh, the keto enhanced line of, of multivitamins because it has that pre-methylated folic acid that helps with that neuropathy uh, if if the dietary change alone isn't effective. And so that's something that, that you know, you, you, you may look at if, if there's neuropathy there is number one, backing the sugars down number two backing the alcohol down and the ketogenic diet helps with both and then number three is looking to see if that if the neuropathy is not improving are you one that needs that methylated folic acid to help absorb b6 and 12 
Yeah, and we actually, uh, the Keto Essentials line from KetoLiving.com that the doc and I uh, joined together to try to help you Ketonians uh, with. We actually have a special on that right now. If people want to take advantage of that, buy two, get one free in the month of May. So check that out, you guys. But Keto Essentials Multivitamin has that methylated folate in it by design. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the reason we designed it. Yeah. Well, Beth, thank you for that question. And uh, yeah, let us know how it goes. I mean, this is a difficult thing to try to get a husband who's unwilling to change, Adam, to change. Uh, So what is maybe one thing she could start with with him to give him a buy-in factor? Bacon. Bacon. (laughs) Why is every answer uh, that comes out of your mouth bacon? We're just going to start. So what's the answer, uh, uh, Dr. Nally? Bacon. And here's the rest of it. You know, it's interesting because what happens is I, I often will have patients come in, husband and wife team will come in and they'll be together and they'll say, well, what is this diet? And I'll say, well, I want you to have eggs and bacon or sausage in the morning. And the husband's eyes just go, really? Really? And <laughs> yeah, I don't have to eat Melba toast every morning. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah. So they, they, they actually get really excited by that. And they'll, and the wife will go, oh, that, then we can't do that. So, you know, if I can have that, that I, I could do this. So, you know, offering your husband real fat from real food uh, is, is often something that, that helps them transition really well because the food tastes good. And if you get a view, if you, I, I, I say it over and over again to patients and those that ask me, if I give you a diet that tastes good, you're going to stick with it. It's easy to stick with. And so if, if your diet is, you know, 60, 70, 80% fat, it actually tastes good. And so that, that's the exciting part is just starting by adding more fat and lowering the carb content, even if it's not completely, is, is going to be partially helpful. And once he starts uh, getting ketogenic, uh, that neuropathy should get better. He probably should not be as tired. Uh, one thing that a lot of people report when they go ketogenic is just energy, 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 just out the yin yang. I remember when I went, you know, Atkins for the first time, it was about a month for me uh, after being 410 pounds. But after getting off, getting off the crappy garbage and getting fully into a ketogenic state, it just it was coming out of my ears, the energy. So I would not be surprised. Surprise and and pain uh, uh, pretty much subsided because a lot of that pain was brought on by the grains and the sugar and the inflammation that all those things stirred up. Oh, yeah. Well, Beth, thank you for that question. And we're going to pause here for a quick sponsor. We'll be right back. They're back and better than ever at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. They are the F-Bomb company. Fat is smart fuel. They have made some incredible products for the ketogenic community, and they make keto easier. They have products that include coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, house blend, MCT oil, olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut butter with sea salt, macadamia nut butter without salt, coconut butter, macadamia nut butter blend. They also have salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. These are all available to you now at jimmylovesfbomb.com. And if you head on over there now and you use the coupon code jimmylovesfbomb, they'll give you 10% off of your first order. jimmylovesfbomb.com. One of the hottest books in keto right now is called The Keto Diet, The Complete Guide to a High-Fat Diet by Leanne Vogel from Healthful Pursuit. Go get your copy now from Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere books are sold. The Keto Diet. 
We're back here with Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. My name is Jimmy Moore, the international bestselling author of The Ketogenic Cookbook and Keto Clarity. And I'm here with Dr. Adam Nally, all the way in surprise, Arizona, treating surprise. all those patients yep. that uh, uh, basically your patient population, uh, they're just clamoring to see you. And it's awesome that, you know, people often say, oh, I wish I could find a Dr. Nally in my area. And, yeah, so do so does Jimmy Morse. <laughs> but unfortunately, they're not all out there. But there are a few good ones. And uh, we're actually revamping my low-carb doctor's site. So uh, we'll be announcing a brand new updated version of that very soon, guys. So stay tuned. Probably by the time summer rolls around, we'll be able to roll that out to you guys. That'll be helpful. So special thank you to Charlena, Laura, Rochelle. Rochelle says, I enjoy listening to your valuable content on my work commute and learning ways to improve my health. Thank you, Rochelle. And Sunny, Susie, and Mark from the UK. So those are all ketonians that really love what we're doing here on Keto Talk. And you can join them by going to paypal.me slash keto talk to make a donation, or you can go to ketotalk.com and click on the donate button, and that gets us a, don- a donation as well. So thank you so much for your support. Yes, thank you very much. So let's get to the research uh, portion of the show. And I actually had the researcher of this paper we're going to talk about reach out to me. Rachel Gregory is her name, and she's from the Department of Health Sciences at James Madison University. The headline of the research, a low-carbohydrate ketogenic diet combined with six weeks of CrossFit training improves body composition and performance. Now, I want to stop right there. A lot of people, their mouths probably just dropped because they didn't think that you could possibly go very low-carb, that extreme, like we talked about earlier, an extreme high fat, and do CrossFit as well. So they wanted to look at the purpose uh, of this research was to examine the effects of six weeks of a ketogenic diet and doing CrossFit on both body composition and performance. So they took 27 non-elite CrossFit subjects and they instructed them to consume an ad libitum. That means they didn't watch their calories, guys, uh, diet. They restricted carbohydrates to less than 50 per day. Uh, and then maintain uh, all the usual dietary intake thereafter. All subjects uh, participated in CrossFit training sessions, um, four of them per week during that six weeks. So the results were kind of interesting, and uh, I'll let the doc kind of get all nerdy about that, but the data showed that a ketogenic diet, when you combine it with six weeks of CrossFit training four times a week, will lead to significant decreases in body fat percentage, FM, weight, and BMI while maintaining LBM and improving performance. So is this a surprise at all to the doc, you know, with all that you know, and even you yourself, you're you're pretty hardcore when it comes to, to exercise. Do you ever do any kind of CrossFit style training? You know, I, I, I have not done CrossFit style training, but I have a number of patients that do CrossFit and love CrossFit and yeah. are, are, are great CrossFit athletes. Um, CrossFit is a is a lifestyle that's uh, a little too intense for Dr. Nelly because he just doesn't have the time to leave his <laughs> office as much. But I, 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 I'm excited by what they do because um, as, as CrossFit appears to have evolved or is evolving, it's they're starting to move it just from being in the gym to really doing some really cool type um, uh 
uh, sports and athletics associated with it. Um, it's not just you know throwing weight around. They they start doing some pretty cool uh, things with rope climbing and and you know crosswalking. Oh, the and some, games some, they do. All on the game ESPN stuff is, yeah. is amazing. Oh, it's really cool. I mean, I mean, I, I think the uh, you know the American Ninja type thing that that, that show that used to be out there mm-hmm. uh, that it's still that, out there it, it still is. CrossFit's evolving to create athletes that are are capable of doing that sort of thing, which is actually really fun to watch and, and even participate in if you can do it, um, because it really creates a a an athlete that can live in the real world and, and function. That's you know I I have horses and. We ride horseback, and one of the things that I found is that if the athletics or that, that if that type of activity doesn't help me do what I like to do physically better, then it's not worth my time. Uh, CrossFit's one of those that that really can be effective to help people you know, move to a new level in, in various types of activities. So functional. It, it is functional. It's very functional. Um, it's intense, but it's, it's functional. And if you get a good if you get a good group and a good trainer uh, that, that knows how to make sure you're safe as you're doing it, yes. um, be, be, then you you'll have a phenomenal time. It doesn't surprise me at all because I see these results constantly. I have for eleven years, you know, and this and it was this group that I got the biggest argument from when I said I want you to go low carb, and they go, "Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I need you know, my I carbs, eat, bro. I need, I need my carbs. I got to eat, you know, eight times a day." And that's and what they're finding is that these, although they limited them to to fifty grams of carbs in the in the group that did low carb, um, they only the average is about forty, and uh, they they saw what we see every day: loss of fat maintenance of muscle in fact they, i think they gained muscle in, in, in many cases both groups gained muscle but the um but the the low carb group lost fat more efficiently and they actually maintained identical uh, exercise capabilities so there was no fatigue there no was drop nothing, in performance no drop it doesn't appear that they went through a huge uh uh you know keto flu or keto adaptive phase uh and i think that's because these are athletes that are were probably already pretty fit and had the ability and the capability to swing between both fuel sources did it say that there was any kind of transition period because usually when you go ketogenic and it doesn't say that they what they did before going keto but you would think within that kind of first couple of weeks maybe the performance went down temporarily did you go look up any breakdown of week by week they did. They didn't have that. They didn't have uh, that. Okay. At least what was listed in the article when I read it, it didn't did not seem to have a, a transition phase or a uh, you know an adaptive phase. And I suspect that's because of two things. Number one, they they kept the carbs at fifty, so yeah. so it wasn't tremendous. But if you've got most most CrossFit athletes, if you look at what they're doing because of the the um, the improvement in their muscle uptake of both uh, ketones and fat because of the the um, intensity type exercise, I think they're they actually have a better ability to up to upload and use um, uh, ketones more efficiently just because of the training style. Yeah. So, Rachel, I would love to know that first couple of weeks of data. I would love to know if you guys measured blood ketones during this time. Um, yeah, so I I, I, th- I do think that obviously would be in ketosis with that low of carbohydrate and that high intensity of the exercise, it'd be almost impossible for them not to. Yeah, uh, for for at least a part of the time that they're doing what they're doing, right. I suspect they're in a in a, new, uh, a a low level nutritional ketosis state. Well, again, Rachel, thanks for uh, sending me your study, and I'm glad we were able to talk about it here today on Keto Talk. But we got lots of great questions from our Ketonians, and let's start with the first featured question. This one is from Hot-Headed Keto Mama Mandy. That's what she called herself. (laughs) 
That's awesome. So Mandy says, uh, hey, Jimmy and Doc Nally, I'm so in love with the Doc and your lighthearted yet informative podcast. I love it when you guys brainstorm and drop knowledge for all of us to use and apply to our lives. Thank you. I recently had some lab tests done to see why I've been so irritable lately. I become wired at 9 p.m. even though I'm physically tired and I need rest. I just can't sleep and I'm dragging myself out of bed in the morning. I had a baby just over a year ago and she keeps me awake taking care of her too. Here are some of the key markers from my lab. So cortisol AM was 12.5, DHEAS 301, testosterone total 45, and free testosterone 8.4. I am still breastfeeding, started keto one week ago, dropping 11 pounds so far. My naturopath prescribed me a prescription of a very low-dose diuretic to lower my testosterone as well as various vitamins and supplements. I'm worried that this may be the beginning of PCOS, as a direct result of insulin resistance or even a weird case of adrenal fatigue since my numbers are reversed from what they used to be. Since I've heard that keto can be taxing on the adrenals, should I continue on with my ketogenic approach or can ketosis actually be beneficial in some way for someone like me? Thanks a million times over for your help, Mandy. So Mandy wants to know, is a ketogenic diet taxing on the adrenals Or can ketosis be beneficial in helping irritability, fatigue, and sleeplessness? Well, it's a great question from the hot-headed keto mama Mandy. Um, (laughs) Well done. Well done. Just awesome. Number one, I I hear this over and over and over that, well, your ketogenic diet is going to tax my adrenals and it's not good for me. And that is the farthest from the truth that I've ever seen in 11 years. I don't know. I don't know where that myth comes from. That meme is Um, out there galore online. Oh, it's 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 out there all over and and I, I would just say it's absolutely false uh, in the 11 years that I've been doing this clinically I have never seen it tax the adrenals in fact I've seen it improve the adrenals almost every time uh, the second issue is that um, Mandy just had a baby a year ago and she's still yeah. breastfeeding and so if, if you know I, I don't want to put it this way but you know when my wife said why am I so tired I said well you have a parasite that's living off of you <laughs> and that's really literally Literally, you know, you're you're making you know you're making food for two, and and that's what's happening. And so your body is 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 literally doing these things that it needs to do to create um, milk and 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 fat. And it, the body is designed to give the baby everything it needs, and then you get what's left over. So I, my suspicion is that Mandy probably hasn't been eating correctly. Um, she tells me that her numbers reversed, and I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, but all of the numbers she listed, her cortisol, DHEA, sulfate, uh, the testosterone total and free are all normal. Those are normal numbers. Um, my worry is if, if, I, if, if we put a, a breastfeeding mother on a diuretic and she doesn't need it, she's going to dry up and, and it won't be able to breastfeed very effectively anymore. And that's Powdered breast milk concern. Maybe. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. That's, uh, see the Sorry, that board. just popped in the head. Oh, <laughs> Dehydrated breast milk. Dehydrated breast milk. Oh, boy. Yeah. The baby's going to be going, Mom. Uh, so, yeah. I, can't, I need and, some water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wow. A bad image in the head. All right. Sorry, anyway, Mandy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry, Mandy. Um, yeah, you know, cortisol less than 20 is normal. Testosterone less than 60 in a female is normal. Um, free testosterone is normal under 85. And guess what? Free testosterone goes up when you're pregnant and breastfeeding. Oh, Light bulb. That's actually normal. And she's yeah. actually below normal. Um, DHEA, which is a fancy term for uh, dehydroepiandosterone sulfate. Say that fast 10 times. Um, no, thanks. It should be less than 379 and hers was in the 301 range. So 
those don't point to PCOS. Now, if she had other numbers that, that reflected, uh, you know, an elevated fasting sugar, an elevated insulin, an elevated small dense LDL particle number, those things can be you know, triangulated to look at and say, is there insulin resistance there? Um, the fact that you're a mother, you're breastfeeding, you've had a baby and your biorhythmic clock is off because of getting up every two to four hours to feed also plays a big role in insomnia and maybe one of the reasons why you, you become wired. The other issue would be, you know, are you, are you eating or drinking foods that may have caffeine or caffeine-like products in them that are happening as well? And are you eating enough fat to support both the breastfeeding and your body's, you know, physical activity? And so there's a number of questions that are unanswered with this. Um, but my big, the big concern to me is number one, it's not going to, fl- it's not going to tax the adrenals. It's going to help them. And number two, um, I would be real cautious about using a diuretic to treat a normal testosterone. Why would the naturopath do that? I, I, I don't know. I, I, that, that's a good question. I, um, unless the naturopath is using a lab that, that showed a, a, a lower normal value and so they're treating on a suspicion but but that and, and i and the challenge is we don't have all those numbers and so yeah. I, you can't second guess the naturopath there sure. um but with the information we were given it it, it makes it kind of challenging to say is you know is that really what you want to be doing um i would suspect as the mandy or anyone uh, you know goes through that keto adaptive phase that their sleep will get better as they're in ketosis um the breast you know Breast milk is 80% fat, so yeah. you, that it's, it's a perfect diet for the breastfeeding mother, and so those are all things to consider. Is that, is that a reason for her to maybe eat more fat? Yes, it actually is, and that may be why she's so irritable and fatigued, is that she's, too you know, low she's, fat. Just, she's just doing low fat, and then it's not helping. Yeah, yeah. And, she's, and she's literally got no fuel, and that's one of the challenges I find. And another thing, Mandy, it looks like you're reading a lot on the internet, and that can be so confusing and add stress to your life, which could then contribute to a lot of these things that you're going through. So stop reading the internet, because it will confuse you. I mean, there's good stuff on the internet. Obviously, we're on the internet, and so we want you to hear what we have to share. But I think sometimes, Adam, people get so crisscrossed with the mixed messages that they read from not necessarily scientific sources versus other sources, and it just confuses them. Oh, you know, Dr. Google still has not shown me his medical school certificate yet, so (laughs) I'm waiting to see it. But he slept in a Holiday Inn Express last night. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and he had the the Danishes for breakfast. There you go. Ew, that just sounds disgusting now. (laughs) I haven't had a Danish in forever. They're always day old there, too. Day old Danish. Crunchy. Well, thank you, uh, hot-headed keto mama Mandy. You officially have the best uh, name moniker we've ever read on the air, so thank you for that. It's awesome. And we're up to the second feature question of the day from Meg. Meg says, hi, Jimmy and the Doc. I love your podcasts, Keto Talk and Fasting Talk. Thank you for providing... Uh, Thank you for providing such a valuable service. I've read Keto Clarity and the Complete Guide to Fasting, but I don't recall if this issue was specifically addressed. What exactly does it mean to, quote, eat to satiety, end quote? What does this actually look and feel like? I can't wrap my head around what you're saying by the phrase and would greatly appreciate it if you share more about this. I'm really looking forward to reading the book you guys are working on called The Keto Cure coming in September, and I've already pre-ordered my copy. Thanks, Meg. So Meg wants to know, what does it mean to eat to satiety on a ketogenic diet? So one of the concepts that we put in Keto Clarity was 
limit your carbs to your personal carb tolerance level, which is going to vary from person to person. We've talked about that here quite a bit. Then you want to have protein to your personal threshold level, which again, if you have a very low carb tolerance level, you're going to have a kind of a lower, more moderated protein threshold. And then eat fat to satiety. So what does that phrase mean? It means that you don't want to blow by all those signals, all those hormones that are screaming at you, um, hello, dummy, stop eating. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I mean when I'm uh, talking about eating to satiety. Now, Adam, one of the challenges that comes up, and I get this from some women I've talked to, uh, one very prominent one in the paleo community said, I don't ever feel satiety, no matter how much fat I eat. And I could I could eat 50 avocados and I don't feel satiated. That's kind of weird. <laughs> well, the challenge with an avocado is there's 18 grams of sugar in the avocado, if, you know, and so you're gonna you're gonna blow past that 20 grams of carbs with that with that avocado if you're not careful. Um, and 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 I've gotten a lot of heat on the internet in regards to you know when I first started doing low carb, I literally ate a pound of sausage and three eggs cooked in butter every morning. Yep. Now that's that was you know five thousand calories. And I was, I was, you know, but I didn't, but I, I, I was leptin resistant at that yep. point. Yep. And, the, and so that satiety signal didn't really kick in until I was, you know, just almost gorged. Um, but what happened is that over a period of two to three months, um, I lost literally 65 pounds in a six month window, but then all of a sudden my weight loss plateaued out and I went, well, wait a minute, I don't quite understand why, you know, this worked, but then it's not working any longer. But what I started noticing was that same diet I was eating, I, I got full halfway through. I started noticing, I don't feel like I even need to finish it. And so then what I realized is that you know, the, the protein that's in that was just astronomically more than I needed. And so I backed it down to where I was doing, you know, two eggs or three eggs and a couple of pieces of sausage or a couple of pieces of bacon. And, you were fine. and what I found was I was fine. Now, well, the other, what I would, what I tell people is this, eating to satiety means that within 20 minutes of starting your meal, you are no longer hungry. Now, if you were like I was and you're running out the door and you cooked your breakfast and you literally inhale that pound of sausage and three eggs in a five minute period, you're not going to have a satiated feeling because it takes about 20 minutes for those hormones to say, ding, I'm full. Yeah. And you've got to listen to your body that way. Um, I realize a lot of people go, well, you can't give that advice because people are just going to gorge on fat. And I, and I, I want to turn to them and say, give people more credit than they're due. Yeah. People know people know how to listen to their body. Now, if you're leptin resistant and you're insulin resistant, it may take you a few months to figure that out, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You're learning about how your body feels. Most of us interpret thirst as hunger. And yeah. until we recognize and live in Arizona, uh, you don't recognize the difference between thirst and hunger until you've lived in 170 degree weather. And you know, you got in your 138 degree car and went, I think I'm thirsty. Um, there's a difference between those two signals, but many people interpret them the same. And so what I tell people is as you begin to eat, um, if you're not losing weight, then make sure that you're not eating too much protein, number one. Um, and listen to your body at 20 minutes after you started eating. How do you feel? Do you feel like you really truly need to take another bite or do you feel like, hey, I feel pretty good now? A lot of it's not it's not eating till you're bloated. It's eating till you you feel like you're not hungry any longer. You know, one thing I've been imploring lately in my own eating habit, uh, and it's just a style thing that I thought I'd give a try, is I take a bite and I put the fork down for two minutes and I don't eat another bite until two minutes later. And then I have another bite and then I put the fork down for two minutes and I find that I, I feel that satiety kick in 
so much quicker than perhaps I used to. So that might be a trick, Meg, you, you can try to see uh, if that helps you out. I know it's helped me uh, pretty abundantly. I don't find that I was overeating uh, by, a, by a ton, but maybe a little bit. Because it's easy to blow by satiety if something tastes good and a lot of keto foods taste really good. So you have oh, yeah. to kind of bide your time with that. Now, what, what role does keto adaptation play in the feeling uh, of eating to satiety? I would assume the more keto adapted you are and the more fat fueled you are, perhaps you don't feel hunger hardly at all. I get that a lot from people. I don't feel hungry at all. So should I just eat even though I'm not really hungry? Well, that's a great question. You know, it takes six or eight weeks for you to keto adapt. And what keto adaption means is in part is that your gut has the ability to pull the the ketones and or long and medium chain fats into the bloodstream. Uh, that that upregulation period takes a little time. And when you become keto adapted, you can actually get those ketones in the bloodstream faster when you eat them. And so your satiety actually kicks in a little faster. Now, what satiety is, is satiety is the release of hormones in the brain that says, um, I'm no longer hungry. And that occurs because you're of, of at least four or five different hormones. Ghrelin turns down, um, GLP-1 and GIP and protein YY uh, occur because of the stretch of the gut. So you, your gut actually has to stretch a little bit before those hormones are released. They go to the brain, they, they damper down GABA, uh, they damper down um, neuroprotein Y, and they, they ramp up uh, the palm court system in the hypothalamus. For those of you that want to geek, geek, geek out, that's the fun part. Um, it, it actually has to stimulate hormones in the first and second order of the neurons of the brain and that can take up to 20 minutes and so um, I have a I have a, a relative that it's actually kind of fun when we eat and go out to dinner is he will he will chew his food 38 times um, wow. and we'll count it and it, he doesn't he why doesn't, 38 doesn't, why not 40 <laughs> I've asked him that and he doesn't know he just maybe he, because it's it, memorable because it's, it's 38 just, and not like a round number yeah. And I said, he goes, no, he says, no matter what I do, I cannot swallow before I chew 38 times. He'll chew 40, but we can come it, up but, with the Michael Jordan, LeBron James diet and say, chew your food 23 times. <laughs> well, you know, but if, but if you take a moment, you know, putting your fork down is one way to allow the body to masticate, which is chew. What'd you oh, call that's me? That fancy word. <laughs> yeah. It allows you to chew and allows those hormones to kick in. And so it gives that time for it. The other challenge we have is that very few of us actually eat at the dinner table anymore. And the, and that's one, one challenge with at least the American society. I don't know what other cultures are like, but it used to be, we sat at the table and we had conversations with our family and, and the process of eating took a bit longer because because and it allowed us those hormones to kick in a little faster because we were conversing between our meal and talking about our day and you know pl- planning and things like that. Many of us don't sit at a dinner table anymore, and we run from room to room as we eat or we're eating on the go. And so the, the, that that learning to, to feel that signal that kicks in after 20 minutes of having started your meal is something that we've blown way past and we never even feel it until 30 minutes later we went, whoa, I think I ate too much because yeah. now I feel bloated. And so th- those are some things that, psychologically we can employ employ that will help us start to understand that uh, a little more clearly. Do you ever watch that Friday show with Tom Selleck called Blue Bloods? I have not seen that yet. So it, it's a show and Christine and I love that TV show, but that's one of the things that they do as a family. Uh, basically it's a bunch of cops and lawyers and police commissioner and they're all in the same family. And so they sit down and have Sunday dinner 
uh, each week. And so every single week they show them all kind of sitting around the table talking and yeah, you'll see them take a bite and then they'll have conversation and maybe they'll take another bite. It's, it's kind of cool because that's a lost art, like you said, in 2017 America anyway. Oh, it totally is. You know, with all the soccer games and, you know, got to take the kids here and there. We, we've lost that art of being a family at the table, whether, you know, whether, whether, whether you've got a, you know, a complete family or, or, you know, you know, uh, you know, mom or dad or whoever, maybe that Greek grandma or, you know, whatever your family structure is like, if you can take uh, one or two times through the day at one of those meals and sit and eat, um, that slowing of the process will allow your body to start learning those signals. I think it's really important. Did you say we've lost that love We've feeling. Lo- <laughs> Sorry, oh couldn't help. <laughs> Little Righteous Brothers to perk up the podcast here today. Let's stop here for another sponsor. We'll be right back. Want to enjoy a sweet cookie and still stay in ketosis? Two friends did just that with Keto Cookie. Christopher and Victor went on the ketogenic diet, lost fat, and felt amazing. But they wanted something sweet and convenient for their busy lifestyle. So they created Keto Cookie and now want to share this sweet satisfaction with you. Is this really keto? Low Carbers tested Keto Cookie with their glucose monitors and were amazed by the results. How is this possible? Keto Cookie is made with non-GMO almond flour, is naturally sweetened with erythritol and monk fruit extract, and has a healthy amount of grass-fed butter, coconut oil, and MCT oil to fuel your day. With less than 2 grams of net carbs, it's the perfect on-the-go snack to keep you energized and ready to inspire the world. Enjoy your chewy childhood favorites like chocolate chip and the cinnamony snickerdoodle, gluten-free, guilt-free, and bake-free. To discover more about Keto Cookie and how two friends are inspiring people to eat smarter but sweeter, visit KetoCookie.com and be sure to use the promo code LLVLC to receive 15% off your order. And follow them on Instagram for exclusive giveaways and specials at Keto cookie Hey, fellow Ketonians, in case you haven't heard, my friends Carl and Richard from the Two Keto Dudes podcast, along with a whole bunch of their keto friends, are going to make history by turning the U.S. town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic for the weekend of July 15th and 16th, 2017. It's called Keto Fest and promises to be not only educational, but a whole lot of fun. My Fasting Talk co-host Megan Ramos and I will be speaking as part of this event, along with a whole bunch of other great keto thought leaders. In addition to great talks, they're also going to have an outdoor keto barbecue with a pig picking, live music, walking, running, cycle tours, and cooking and fitness lessons as well. They've got the local restaurants and the mayor on board too. So help us make history by reserving your ticket now at KetoFest.com. That's KetoFest.com. If you love great olive oil, do I have a deal for you? As one of my listeners, you're entitled to receive for $1, listen to this, for just $1, a $39 bottle of one of the world's finest artisanal olive oils. And what makes this oil really special? It was just fresh pressed at the new harvest, so it's bursting with more harvest fresh flavor any olive oil you've ever tasted. 
It's yours for just one buck to help cover shipping as your introduction to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. And there's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. But what exactly is fresh pressed olive oil? And why is it so much more flavorful than store-bought olive oil? The problem with store-bought olive oils is that they can sit on store shelves for months, even years, growing stale or even rancid. The olive, after all, is a fruit. And olive oil is similar to a fruit juice in that it's much more flavorful when fresh pressed. And that's what's unique about oils from my friends at the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They rush their oil direct to your door by plane and special delivery truck straight from the latest harvest. This means that you, your family, and lucky guests can enjoy top-of-the-line artisanal olive oils at their peak of harvest fresh flavor and nutritional value. This is great news for us low-carb lovers because pure fresh-pressed olive oil has zero carbs. Zero carbs! It adds whole layers of amazing flavor to your favorite low-carb dishes, your roasted vegetables, healthy salads, grilled meats, delicate fish, toasted nuts. Oh yeah! I can tell you from personal experience, once you try this fresh-pressed olive oil, you'll never go back to store-bought again. Try it yourself and see. For your 39 bottle for a buck, go to jimmyoliveoil.com. That's jimmyoliveoil.com. One more time, jimmyoliveoil.com. Okay, we're back here with Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc, and we have two more of your questions to answer here, all about low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat, ketogenic diets, and we're up to the third featured question of the day. It's from Steve. Steve says, hey guys, thanks for the show. I listen during my runs while strength training. Uh and while strength training, regarding the issue of too many carbs or too much protein, is the relationship between ketone levels and carbs a step function or a linear relationship? Uh Uh-oh, he's one of those guys (laughs) thinking through this like that. If I eat one gram too many of carbohydrates and or protein, will that kick me out of ketosis completely or does it slowly drop depending on how much extra carbs and protein I eat? In other words, if my blood ketone levels were at 1.4 before eating it, extra gram of carb or protein than my body needs, does that immediately kick me out of ketosis or do ketones merely fall? Thanks, Steve. So Steve has uh, an interesting question and I think I know the answer. What happens to ketone levels when you begin to consume more carbohydrates, protein than your body needs, immediate or gradual drop in blood ketones? I'm going to take a stab at it and you tell me how uh, wrong or right I am. I would think that minimal over your carb tolerance or your protein threshold, it would just gradually start to come down. Uh, Obviously, if you continue to eat more carbs and or more protein uh, beyond what your body needs and can use, in other words, turns into glucose in the body, that that would then eventually damper down the the ketones to a certain level, depending on the dosage. So the dosage matters, right? It it does, it does. And so Steve, don't drop your 20 pound dumbbell on your head while you think about this question, but... um, (laughs) It, it's it's hard to answer this because this is individualized. Yes. And so this is where the individualization of ketosis comes into play. Say that word and it again. varies individualization. We are all individuals. <laughs> um, 
It varies based on exercise levels, sleep, stress, hydration status, and medications in your system and a whole slew of other things like whether you're in menopause or whether you're going through menopause or, you know, all those things play a role in, in that variability. Steve's not going and through menopause, I promise you. I hope not. Um, <laughs> he may be going through manopause, but. Man, be a, yeah, that's a whole other topic we could talk about there. But um, but this is why we first, Jimmy and I often recommend testing. We talk, we talk about testing yourself uh, because it's important. So. You know, let me let me give you a for instance. I was traveling last week in Orlando, and I was in the hotel, and I was hungry, and um, the, the they didn't give me enough fat at the, at the the meal I ate. Did they and run so out I of food looked, at the hotel like they did? No, when, they <laughs> just kept giving chicken. You know, it's, 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 oh, chicken and you know salad. And it's like that is not a ketogenic meal. So Yuck. I ordered. So I looked at the menu, and they had us they had a burger, and I thought, okay, we'll do the burger. But then I you know I was traveling, and then the stress is up, and so I thought, well, I'll order some of those. Um, those wings, you know, the wings that they should have the skin on them. That should be yeah. a little extra fat there too. Well, when they brought the wings, I was thinking they're going to bring like, you know, 10 wings. They brought 25 wings. Oh my gosh. And, oh, huge, huge bowl. So I sat down and I was doing charts and I'm, I'm listening and I actually realized I ate the entire 25 wings. Starving. I was starving. And <laughs> so I blew past, I blew past it. Well, that evening, you know, my ketone levels were 1.3. Yeah. The next morning, my ketones dropped to 0.3. Yes. So I dropped a full point. And that's because that over a period of five to six hours, that high chicken content spiked the insulin. Protein. The excess protein spiked the insulin. And I didn't have quite enough fat to satiate me and make me feel full. I didn't have that that full feeling, that uh, love and feeling we just talked about earlier. So <laughs> that's the challenge that arises. Now, what I would tell Steve is think of it this way, Steve. Um, the same way you have a, a, a hot and cold water on your faucet, the pipe is only so big and you can turn the cold on and get all cold or you can turn the hot on and get all hot. But we all usually, you know, turn the dials and line them up till we get the water, the warmth that we want. Your body, depending on what it's doing, is either all cold or all hot or it's swinging between the two. And our hope is that, we, you know, we get you to one side versus the other side. And so if you think about it like a, a faucet, your body's going to either be using all carbs or using all ketones or a mixture in between. And a lot of people go, well, why would it do that? Well, it, it has to keep that, keep the blood glucose level between 70 and 100 grams of protein um, because the brain wants to use that glucose either for fuel or for making neurotransmitters so your brain actually works. And that's why the glucose needs to be there. Um, you know, we, we say, well, there's a part of the brain that has to have glucose. It doesn't necessarily have to have it for fuel. It has to have it because it needs to make serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Otherwise, you're going to be flat as a pancake and look like you had a frontal lobotomy. So that's, that's <laughs> the challenge, is you really, truly need a little bit of glucose for those neurotransmitters. And if the rest of it's ketones, Great. That means you got the hot water way on and the cold is dampered down a bit, if that, if that makes sense. Flat as a pancake, but we don't eat pancakes. No. Is, so you would have to do the low carb waffles. Unless or, they're made of like almond flour or coconut flour. <laughs> oh, there's my wife does a cream cheese waffle. That's does she something. really? Okay. Next yes. time uh, Christine and I come to Arizona, that's on the menu. <laughs> We're doing cream cheese waffles. Yes. They're there. Oh, they melt in your mouth. Oh, I'm already craving them. Oh, there you geez. go. <laughs> Inside the mind of Dr. Adam Nally. <laughs> Thanks for that question, Steve. And we're up to the Keto Talk mailbox portion of the show. And this one's from Tom. Hey, Jimmy and the Doc, I love the geek speak on Keto Talk and I can't get enough of it. You guys do a wonderful job, so please keep it up. My question is about carbohydrate being referred to as the preferred energy source 
for the body. I hear this statement frequently, and I even hear it from LCHF people and experts like yourselves saying that carbs are the body's preferred fuel source and fat and ketones are an alternative fuel source. People who say this use the logic that the body switches to using carbs first, and therefore it must be preferred. When I read uh, or read what happens when you ingest alcohol, the body shuts off, slows down fat and carb usage and switches to burning the alcohol. Alcohol is a toxin. It floats around in the blood and goes to organs, including the brain, which is why we feel drunk until the liver can detoxify it. So as an energy source, it isn't preferred, but the preference for the body is to get rid of it. Switching back to carbs glucose, which we know can be toxic at high doses, and the pancreas has to pump out more insulin to prevent that from happening. By default, the body converts any excess glucose into fats and stores them in the body. In my eyes, I see this as the same as alcohol and not as a preferred energy source, but barely even an alternative energy source. Can you please clarify this for me? Thanks for all you do, Tom. Tom got really deep on this question and he asked the question, why do low-carb, high-fat experts refer to carbs as the body's preferred fuel source and ketones as an alternative fuel source? Isn't excess glucose a toxin? So I don't know which experts are calling carbs the preferred fuel source. Most of the people that I've interviewed on my podcast and myself included uh, call ketones the preferred uh, fuel source. Although I will give him credit for one thing. We do call ketones an alternative fuel source quite a bit simply to distinguish it from what most people walking around are, and that's sugar burners. They're using glucose as their primary source of fuel. That's the only reason I use the word alternative because it's outside the norm. But I would think, Adam, most of us are articulating that ketones in the brain especially loves ketones and we say that that is the body's preferred fuel source especially within the context of trying to be a on a ketogenic diet what say you it, 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 it can be confusing when you, a lot of people will interpret the word primary meaning it's preferred and, and the two words don't mean the same thing um, and, and when it, and I, I probably have used the word preferred because the because of, of a couple of things. Well, it really, you know, too, let me let me preface it with this starting to say, number one, too much of, of anything can become toxic. Right. You can drink too much water and become toxic to yourself. And but water itself is not toxic. Step away Glucose from the water is, and nobody gets hurt. Exactly. If you can take in too much B, B6 and be toxic, you know, you can take in too much carbohydrate and it becomes and when you use the word toxic, you have to define the fact that it's not actually dangerous to you. But when levels rise to a certain point, it doesn't allow other systems to work efficiently or effectively. And that's the challenge yeah. um, that, you know, we use, you know, um, we use a number of, of, of medicine medications that way. We know that in small doses, they're effective, but in large doses, they kill you. And so you have to use caution when we demonize an essential nutrient. Now, your body was actually designed to operate on both fuels. And one of the things that I learned as I've been learning about my horses is that all mammals um, were designed to to really try to conserve fuel. And if you think about it, not that one is better than the other, but that the body is really um, the, it, trying to protect itself uh, in instances where the um, uh, 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 and I'm trying to remember her name, uh, hot-headed keto mama Mandy is breastfeeding. <laughs> if if hot-headed keto mama Mandy is breastfeeding in a famine, the body wants to conserve any fuel that's there. And so it knows that it can't preserve glucose as efficiently without a lot of work. So it will use it first. Not that it's preferred or preferential, but it it, it just will use it 
first because of the way the hormones are released because it can't store it as effectively and or as rapidly as it can store fat. And it knows that if I got fat and glucose together, just the process of using the glucose stores the fat. And that, that's an easy fix. And the body is is designed to do that when both fuels are present. Now, depending on the degree that one is higher than the other, it's going to store more or use use more depending on, again, that faucet uh, we, we talked about in the previous uh, question. It's going to be, yeah, exactly. So you'll hey, see those you can happen. do it too. Oh, I can do it too, yes. <laughs> It's a, all all those fun little noises there. I'm sure there's someone that's driving their car, just about wrecked their car. Oh my gosh. So stop being (laughs) silly. Get back to the issues. (laughs) So the, the issue is that when the, when both fuels are offered, the body is going to say, I'm going to use the the fuel that I can use the most effectively. I'm going to store the one that I can store the most effectively because Tomorrow, I may not get any. And it doesn't know if it's going to get it or not. My horses don't know if they're going to get the, get the fuel or not. So they literally, they, they do as little work as possible so they can conserve the fuel. And that's why some horses are considered lazy. They're not lazy. They just know. Our horses, I mean, are gonna, horses I, of course, of course. <laughs> and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Red. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> And Mr. Ed loved his oats. I know that. So, um, And that's why I got diabetes. Exactly. Yeah. So the body doesn't really switch fuels. It, it just shifts the fuel source back and forth like you're turning on and off the hot and cold water. Um, it turns one up, turns the other down. It's, it's a dynamic shift. So again, it's going to try to maintain that blood glucose between 70 and 100 because it needs that number in that range for the brain to get its most effective development of, of neurotransmitters. And, and for those that live across the pond, that's 3.9 to 5.5 millimoles per liter, just, mm-hmm. just for those that are excited. Um, anything more than that. So if your blood sugar is higher than that, then the body is going to say, okay, I got excess carbohydrate. So if he's not running a triathlon right now, then I either need to start burning it I need to store it or I need to dump it. And we know that anybody who has a blood sugar over 180 for a prolonged period of time will start dumping sugar through their urine. And that's just the body's way of saying, I'm going to get rid of this extra because I can't store it and I can't use it. And it will do that until it runs that down, runs that glucose level down to a level that's comfortable. And then if there's ketones present or fat present, it will ramp the ketones up if there's not an, ex- an excess amount of glucose continually coming in. And so it, I, I guess the what I would say is it's, it's kind of a faucet effect more than anything else. And remember, the body's primary job is it's going to say, I, I want to protect the brain. I'm going to keep the blood sugar between 70 and 100 to do so. And then if I have excess, I'm going to either store it, use it, dump it, or use the alternative fuel source if that one's present um, when the glucose isn't. And that's a long-winded answer with Mr. Ed involved. And so if you remember all that, I'm impressed. <laughs> the, the humor actually will help you remember some of this conversation. I hope so. I hope so. Tom, I, I hope yes. And, and do, do not go eat oats with Mr. Ed. I just I'll warn you that ahead of time. Hello, Wilbur. <laughs> so, Tom, uh, thank you for that very detailed question, because, I, I, again, I love the way the Ketonians think through all these things and, and at least hash them out, even if they're wrong um, or, or mishearing, because, again, I don't think I've ever heard anybody in the low carb, high fat ketogenic world talk about carbs being the body's preferred fuel source. Um, it's just the major fuel source for most people walking around. But uh, if they use the word, yeah, if they use the word preferred, they're probably referring to it as primary. Right. Um, And because it's because of the. And it is the the primary for most. It is primary. Yeah. Because it and and our American diet's been, you know, primarily glucose. Eighty five percent of what's on your plate is glucose if you eat the standard American diet. So. 
And that includes even the protein that some of the glucose effects that would come from the protein as well. So yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Tom, thank you for that question. And we are up to the iTunes review portion of the show. And we have one here today. I, when I first saw the guy's name, I thought it said Bud Slinger. I was like, Bud Slinger. That's what I thought it said, too. <laughs> but Bud Salinger is his name. He gave us five stars, said, just great, very informative, great podcast in my view, and one of my favorites, in fact. So thank you, Bud Salinger, not Bud Slinger, for leaving that review. And you can leave us a review as well. Head on over to iTunes and uh, type in Jimmy Moore, Keto Talk, Adam Nally. You will find the show, maybe even Mr. Ed. You might even find the show that way <laughs> and leave us your review. Well, guys, that is episode 64. Five in the can and ketotalk.com is our website ketotalkfb.com if you want to connect with your fellow listeners on our official Facebook page but that's it for the next month Adam you and I will be off here for the next four weeks in a row uh, we will not be here talking live basically answering people's questions that they submitted so uh, again the schedule in case you missed it or weren't paying attention at at the beginning because you hadn't heard Mr. Ed yet uh, (laughs) episode 66 we're going to have the very first interview that Adam and I ever did on the Live in La Vida Low Carb show Uh, so we're going to air that for you as a special and then episode 67 the week after that we'll have a lecture from Dr. Nally on inflammation and ketogenic diets that he gave in Kansas last year. Uh, then episode 68, the week after that, the last week in May, Keto Clarity audiobook. We're going to air the myths chapter so you can hear all the various myths about ketogenic diets and uh, what we have to say about that. And then a live recording from the Low Carb Cruise. It will air the first week of June on Thursday, June 1st in episode 69. So we got lots of content for you guys here in the coming weeks, and we will be back with brand new episodes for you. And if you like what you hear, definitely leave us a donation. Go to ketotalk.com, click on the donate button, and we sincerely appreciate all the support you guys give us here on Keto Talk. So until we're back, which is going to be a little while, we'll see you then. See you then. You've been listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Visit our website, ketotalk.com, for full show notes for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, then head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Keto Talk. We'll see you again soon. Thank you.